Readers Entertainment Radio presents Book Lights with your host, author Lisa Kessler. Book Lights, where we're shining a light on good books. Hello, everyone. It's Monday. Can you believe it? It's another week. And happy Martin Luther King Day. It's a big day today for us on Book Lights because we have Emmy and Agatha award-winning author Hank Philippi Ryan. And I'm super excited for you to meet her. And if you haven't read her thrillers yet, you are in for a treat. So I'm just going to read her bio so you can get to know her a little bit, and then we will bring her on. So Hank Philippi Ryan has won five Agatha Awards in addition to the Anthony, the McAvity, I probably killed that, Daphne DuVore, and the Mary Higgins Clark Award for her best-selling mystery novels. As an investigative reporter, her work has resulted in new laws, criminals sent to prison, homes saved from foreclosure, and millions of dollars in restitution for victims and consumers. Along with her 36 Emmys and 14 Edward R. Morrow Awards, Hank has received dozens of other honors for her groundbreaking journalism. A former president of Sisters in Crime and founder of MWA University. She lives in Boston with her husband, a nationally renowned civil rights and civil defense criminal defense attorney. She is the author of acclaimed psychological thriller, Trust Me, and the Jane Ryland series, which begins with The Other Woman. And now she's got a new book out that we're going to be talking about today, The Murder List. So without further ado, Hank, are you there? I'm here in snowy Boston. Um, where the yeah. snow is covering the ground and we're all wrapped in blankets and cozying up. Um, <laughs> we live in New England, so this is what we expect. But the sun is glistening on the white snow. It's kind of gorgeous. Oh, that's one. It's very gorgeous when you're inside, right? <laughs> exactly. Absolutely. <laughs> Just don't go out in it. <laughs> well, you know, it's a good day for cozying up and reading a good book. You know, there's nothing better than that to um, get to grab a little bit of time and get a cup of tea and a blanket and curl up and just lose yourself in a good story. I mean, I, I think we all your listeners want to do that. I mean, it's one of the things that really connects us and brings us together, and it's so valuable what you do, and I'm so grateful for it to um, introduce people to new books and new stories and new ways to spend a snowy or a sunny day. Right. Right. I totally agree. And you can't beat a great book where you can't keep turning. You've got to keep turning the page and you're like, okay, I need to refill my tea, but I need to keep reading. That's the best. <laughs> I know. You know, it's interesting. I, um, I always hope that people will miss their stop on the bus, you know, because they're reading, because they're reading the murder list or to stay up so late saying, I just want to read one more chapter, one more chapter. You know, it's a good airplane book. The murder list is a good vacation book. You know, it just, I think when we were, all of us, when we were little, if we were lucky, someone put us on their laps and said, once upon a time, and we all know that feeling of getting lost in a good story where the walls fall away and your reality just changes and you're deeply into the story of a good book. And that's what we're all, that's what we're all searching for. And that's what I'm, that's what I keep hearing the murder list uh, has done for people. And I'm, I'm very pleased about that. Can you tell our listeners about, uh, you know, just like a little bit about the murder list without being too spoilery about, you know, they should go get it this week. <laughs> they should. They should. It's great. Um, and that's so funny because, um, yeah, without being too spoilery, it's one of those books that you can't really talk about. So, but when I, and it's interesting to have written a book that you can't really talk about. What a brilliant idea that was. Right. right? But um, the murder <laughs> right. list. 
you know, Harlan Coben told me to write the kind of book you love to read. And he, you know, and his theory is that if, and I certainly agree, that if you love the book while you're writing it, your readers will love the book as they're reading it, that that passion and that devotion and that delight comes through, you know, sort of comes through the author's brain and fingers and keyboard into the pages of the book. So um, I don't like graphic sex or graphic violence or inappropriate language in books. I do love twisty, turny, mind game, manipulation, gaslighting, deception, you know, and a little bit of murder in, in my books. Um, and that's exactly, what, that, don't you? I mean, that's, you know, I can't, you can't yes. put it down. You can't wait to figure out what happens next. You know, you gasp with surprise at all the twists and turns. Um, and I love when the, when the author pulls the rug out from under me, you know, in the end. And in the end you say, oh, my goodness, I never saw that coming. But, of course, it was inevitable. And that's what a good ending of a book should be is that it's not out of left field. It's inevitable but still surprising. And, and that's what mm-hmm. I really try to write. You know, the murder list specifically in that sort of category of twisty psychological domestic suspense thrillers, which is exactly – um, what the murder list is, if you like um, Lisa Scottolini and Tess Gerritsen and Mary Kubica and Megan Miranda and Lisa Unger and J.T. Ellison and all those wonderful, um, you know, Ruth Ware, all those wonderful page-turning books. One of my favorite reviewers of all time about – one of my favorite reviews of all time of the murder list said, if, if John Grisham and Lisa Scottolini had a book baby, the murder list would be it. <laughs> Isn't that so perfect? Because it does. That is, it does that tell is you fabulous. It, it, exactly, exactly what it is. So basically, the murder list is sort of a twisty triple triangle of suspense. It stars Rachel North, who is the world's most reliable narrator—not unreliable, but reliable narrator—because she will tell you exactly what she believes to be true that she's a law student at Harvard Law, the, the, the school's oldest student, she will tell you, at age 35 she is. Um, and she's on the road to, being, to having a fabulous second career, that of a lawyer, and her legal career, her legal rock star career, is guaranteed because she's married to the best defense attorney in Boston, the brilliant, genius, but manipulative and determined defense attorney, Jack Kirkland. Um, and he is going to be her ticket to legal success. She's also uh, assured of her legal success here in Boston because she has a summer internship with the brilliant and determined and possibly manipulative um, district attorney, Martha Gardner. Problem is, Martha Gardner is Rachel's husband's biggest enemy, his absolute nemesis. Jack Kirkland and Martha Gardner will have gone head-to-head in many huge, important, grisly murder trials, and winning is the most important thing to them. So our young Rachel is married to the defense attorney and working for the prosecutor. Um, And what could go wrong? What could go wrong is that a murder, (laughs) a a cold case murder, a cold case murder from Rachel's past comes back to haunt all three of them, and they'll each have to decide what they really want and how far they'll go to get it um, and who will be crushed along the way and who they trust and who will be next on the murder list. 
So that is the murder list. Um, And it was so much fun to write. And I'm hearing um, so many wonderful reviews from readers who, you know, think they have it all figured out, thought they had it all figured out as they were reading, and then just said, oh, my goodness, I went back to read it again for the second time um, just to make sure that was what really happened. So I'm so thrilled with that. It's so great um, to have readers love a, a book so much that they go back and read it again instantly. So did the book surprise you when you were writing it? Do you have it all plotted out ahead of time, or do you let twists and things happen as you're writing? Were there any surprises for you? You know, um, I I love this, Lisa, because um, The Murder List is my 11th published novel. Actually, it's my 11th novel because my first novel was my first book that got published. But in all of the books that I've ever written, I have no idea what's going to happen next. Um, every every time I start to write a book, I say to myself, okay, this time I'm going to be a grown-up. This time I'm going to actually make an outline and have a plan of what's going to happen in the book so I'm not tearing my hair out when I'm about a third of the way through thinking I have no idea. But right. I can never right. do it. And as I've, mm-hmm. told, uh, you know, as I've told writing classes, I've tried to write outlines, but I've said to my editor, how do I know what's going to happen until it happens? And it doesn't happen until I write it. And it's one of those things that, so I just, that's what gets me to the computer every day, is I say, oh, I can't wait to see what's going to happen next. I can't wait to see what's going to happen because I don't know what's going to happen until I write the next word and the next sentence and the next paragraph and the next scene. And it is constantly a surprise. I mean, and when it gets, and people say to me, wow, the end of the murder list, you really surprised me. I'm like, me too, right? You know, who would have thought <laughs> yes. that's what was going to happen? And I, and seriously, um, there are things that happen in all of my books, twists and turns and reactions and actions and decisions that people make and obstacles that come up in the path um, that I could never have plotted in advance. And I, I do think it's, like, it's the same way that we live, our real lives, our surprises every day mm-hmm. that we have to be nimble and juggle and deal with and decide what we want and, you know, whether that matters and how we're going to get around it and what's really good and what's really bad and, and who in our lives is really good and really bad. And that, and that really changes, too. So Sue Grafton used to call that the magic of writing, that somehow um, a story emerges that we didn't know was there. Um, right. And it's kind of a fascinating thing to think about. If, if I could just say, you know, I've been, a, I've been a television reporter for 43 years, and I'm still on the air here in Boston. And I, and I do think that my comfort, if there's such a thing as comfort in writing, that my comfort comes from after all these years of being a reporter where I have sought out the story. I have gone out and looked for the story. I don't know my news mm-hmm. stories in advance because they wouldn't be news, right? They'd be known. Right. So I'm, I'm, I'm used to looking for a story with a beginning, middle, and end, with a problem that needs to be solved, with a character who you care about, where the good guys win and the bad guys get what's coming to them. And in the end, you change the world and get some justice. That's what I do in investigative reporting. And that's exactly what I do in my crime fiction. That's what my thrillers are. So little did I know when I started writing novels um, that I had been practicing for all those years before by writing investigative stories for television. It was quite a revelation 
to use my storytelling skills. I mean, who was it to think about what you have to write 10 right. million word, words or 50 billion words or however many intimidating number of words it is. Um, and so when I started 15 years ago, crazily enough, um, at age 55, which is pretty interesting, when I, and I was a newbie writing, I wasn't really a newbie in storytelling. So I had yes. some crazy little bit of knowledge that I knew how to tell a story. Now, how to make up a story, right. that's, a, that's a completely different thing. And that was one of the yes. things that I worried about was that would, I be, would my imagination become a writer's imagination, an author's imagination, mm-hmm. not just a reporter's imagination. So that was kind of a blossoming, and that was kind of an interesting process um, to be able to learn that that was just such a joy to be able to create a whole new world for readers to be involved in. I mean, readers Step are going into, you're uh-huh. going to know Rachel and Jack and Martha in The Murder List. You're going to know them, and you're going to care about them, and you're going to root for them, and you're going to be unable to wait to see what happens to them. And when people tell me how much they love those characters, I, you know, I kind of have this secret thought to myself, like, I made those people up, you know, that I made right, them up. Right, right. <laughs> and it's, don't you feel that way? It's just so yes. amazing to bring people into your world. Yes, and I actually, um, I teach writing classes a lot, and I have um, found that journalists, have a have a tough time sometimes remembering that they get to be God in fiction, that it doesn't have to be true, that they can craft this. And, and I love that you were able to grow that, you know, to grow that part of yourself because, you know, journalism is so based in, you know, what's true, what's real, what's, and, and in fiction, you get to take that another step and, and you're doing that. And that's so cool. Well, you're so wise about that, and I still agree about that. And I I just came from teaching an intensive weekend seminar, writing seminar at this gorgeous place called the Endicott Estate in Dedham, Massachusetts, sponsored by MIT. Uh, And my colleague and I had um, 16 people, high-intensity, you know, total immersion writing class. And a couple right. of people were had been reporters or writers, and they would say, well, in real life, X, Y, and Z. And I'd say, you you get to make this up. It, it doesn't have to be. And there was yeah. this dawning on their face. <laughs> and and that happened to me, too. You know, you, you begin to realize that everything is possible in a novel, in a yes. crime fiction novel. Anything is possible, not just what is real. Uh, you know, it's interesting the because actual I – yeah, I mean, the actual truth is the world you create in your book, and it's just there as real as, as just as real as the real world, right? But it's the real world that mm-hmm. we create, and we can make it be whatever we want. I mean, that's not to say that I'm not extremely careful. All my books are set in Boston and New England, and I'm extremely careful to make much of the geography authentic because people right. will email me and say, that street is a one-way yes. street. Um so I also, I mean, I even say, I know, I even say in the acknowledgments of my book, 
um, I, you know, sharp eyes will see that I have tweaked Boston geography a bit, but it's just to protect <laughs> the innocent, you know, because you don't want to have a right. real restaurant where somebody gets food poisoning. You know, that would not be right, wise. Right. So, you know, there is some leeway, but in what people do or what people say or how a crime was committed, you know, I've so many of my, in my, in my Jane Ryland books, The Other Woman and Say No More and the, those in that series, many of those are loosely inspired by investigations that I've done for my television work or loosely inspired by high-stakes murder trials that my husband has handled. But they're not mm-hmm. those real cases or those real stories made into fiction. It's just a tiny little gem of this part and a tiny little gem of that part and a tiny little bit of something else sort of twisted and turned and polished and tweaked and made into something completely different. So people say, well, will I recognize someone in your stories? And I say, no. It, you know, it's just fiction. It's, and it's hard for, right. you know, I, I love explaining to readers, you know, just this is just a new world, so just embrace this new world uh, and see if you and, and see how comfortable you are in it. And they always are. Mm-hmm. So, what made you? Um, you know, you were you've won Emmys. You're doing all this TV reporting. What at 55? What made you go? I need to write a book. I mean, did characters pop up in your head, and you're like, wow, I need to tell the story, <laughs> oh, or Lisa, how did that happen? I know. Wasn't it crazy? All of us who have written have written books, there's always that one moment where you think, oh, you know what, maybe possibly. You know, I've always, right? you know, I, when I was little reading Sherlock Holmes and, and, and Agatha Christie and um, about Poirot and Miss Marvel and reading Na- the Nancy Drew books and all those things that we all read. And I, I either wanted to be a mystery author or a detective. So I started out oh. by being a, you know, so because I thought it might be cooler to be Sherlock Holmes rather than write about Sherlock Holmes. Um, and I think it's right. interesting as an investigative, as an investigative reporter, I did, I did sort of become a detective, Yeah. but, but one day at channel seven, I was um, opening my email and I, it was what back when spam filters weren't as good as they are now. And I was, so what you do in every morning would be to delete all the spam and then you could open your real email and one day I opened a spam email by mistake, and it, the, sub, the heading of it was, the subject line of it was, a new refinancing deal for you. And in the body of the email was what looked like lines from a Shakespearean play. And I thought, why would somebody put lines from a Shakespearean play, what looked like a Shakespearean play at least, in the body of an email where of a spam that millions of people were going to open, you know, or not at random with the header, the subject mm-hmm. line, a new right refinancing deal for you. And my brain actually whispered to me, and I know you as an author will understand this. My brain yes. actually whispered to me, maybe it's a secret message. And I thought, Oh my golly, secret messages in computer spam. What a great idea for a thriller. And I went home, you know, could you do that? Could that work? How would that work? Who would do it? Who would get killed? Because, of course, it would be a thriller. And, you know, who would be the intrepid sleuth who would figure this whole thing out? So I went home, and I I said to my husband, I've got this great idea for a book. I'm going to write a thriller. And Jonathan says, great, sweetheart. (laughs) You know, he says, do you know – do you know how to write a book? And I said, how hard can it be? You know, I've read a million of these. Um, 
and I obviously I learned how hard it could be. It's really hard. It's ridiculously hard. It's really hard. hard. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> much harder than people. I mean, let, let me be the millionth person to tell you this. It's much harder than anybody could ever imagine it would be. But I was obsessed with this idea. I was compelled to write this book about secret messages in computer spam, and that became prime time my first book, and that won the Agatha for best first novel. And that was the beginning of my crime fiction career, just by chance, because I opened a spam, you know, that I never could have Mm -hmm. planned, that I never could have predicted, that I never could have made a plan for. So there is a sort of serendipity of life that things happen when it's time for them to happen. And I, and, I, mm-hmm. and I completely embrace that about my crime fiction career. I could not have written what I have written so far and had such knock on wood success as I have had so far if I had started writing at a different time of my life than I did. You know, I, I, fully, I right. fully believe that. You know, you, you, some, the good things, the things happen when they're supposed to happen if you are sort of listening to the universe and open, open to, to that. It. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. Agree. I agree. I I was lucky enough to meet Ray Bradbury a couple of times before he passed away, and he used to talk about that he believed that the stories have been around since before you know humans had words, and and he he believed that there's like this super conscious that that wants stories told, and if you're open to it. They drop in, and then and then he wasn't a plotter either. So he he said, then you have to be brave enough to just follow it. <laughs> he said, you know, he he just believed the more free you were to do that, the more honest the story that would come out. And I feel like you really got that downloaded that day, and you took it and ran with it. That's so cool. Well, that is so. That brings tears to my eyes. That that thought, um, because I do know that. You know, I have deadlines. I have things. You know, I have de- I have big, big writing days and big, big deadlines and new books to write and new articles and short stories, and ideas. And there are times when I just say, you know, when the, when it's time for the idea to be offered to me, the idea will be offered to me. Um, it's even a little mm-hmm. scary to talk about. And I do have days when I'm sort of looking at the universe, thinking. Okay, any time now. Any time now. I'm ready for this. Um, But there, you can't make it happen. You can't. I mean, Mm -hmm. you can work hard. I I work hard. I'm very diligent. I challenge myself every day. I try to be better and better. I try to see um, how the how the successful, smart people do it. How the thoughtful literary, you know, thriller people Mm -hmm. write. Right. I, I try to be better, and I try to grow, um, and I also try to, you know, I, I also try to not panic about it. You know, the, right. it will work w- the way it's meant to, trust. to work. You do have to trust. And I and it always works. I You know, I even every time I've begun to recognize in writing a book, there's always the moment where I think, I don't have this. I don't have this. I'm not going to be able to finish <laughs> this. I, I'm not going to mm-hmm. be able to have the idea. And the thing that happens inevitably not only in writing books but in life right after that panic comes the answer and when i realize oh my goodness this i'm at the panic step of the journey and the solution step of the journey will come next and so hooray i embrace the panic um as just a, a step along the way that we all know will be there 
Yeah, and and it and it is terrifying. I I can recall. Usually, I I'm not a plotter, but usually I I have a vision for what's going to be the ending of the book, you know, and I just don't know how I'm going to get there. But I was writing one book, and I didn't I didn't know what the ending was going to be, and so I am three quarters of the way through the book, and I'm sitting there, and I told my husband, I don't know what the theme <laughs> is of this book. I don't know what I'm doing. I thought I knew how to do this, and now I don't. And then a couple days later, I'm writing, and all of a sudden, it all was there, and I'm crying in the kitchen. He goes, are you okay? And I said, I know the theme of this book, and it's beautiful. But it wasn't yeah. planned, and it was terrifying. But you know, I really think if you, you know, if you trust it, it will, it will be there. <laughs> so writing is a I, very I, weird I, thing. It is a very weird thing. I know people, are, people who are listening now are saying they're panicking and they're freaking out and they're crying and they're terrified. <laughs> wow, that sounds like so much fun. <laughs> but fun that is why thing. we do it, you know, isn't it? For those moments when. You know, I, when I realized, for instance, that the murder list was about how we all think we're good guys. Everybody thinks we're, we're the good guy of the story. And when there's a murder trial, when there's a defense attorney and there's a prosecutor and there's a defendant, and they all think they're doing something for the best possible reason that they're, because out of their own goodness and how that cannot right. be true. And, you know, th- there are three sides to every story. I always say, yours, mine, and the truth. So what I try to oh. write, like the murder list, is a cat and mouse game, because our lives are cat and mouse games. But we, in the murder list, for instance, you have to figure out which character is the cat and which character is the mouse. And that's mm-hmm. what propels that's what propels the murder list, and that's what propels our lives. You know, it's um, it's fascinatingly. I want you just, you know, I I I love the idea of you know when you're on an airplane and the pilot says we're now approaching our landing descent or whatever they say, and you're right. like, oh no, I just want to read one more chapter. Uh, you know, right. I want you to be sad <laughs> that your plane is landing when you're reading the murder list, um, because you just. You just can't put it down. And tomorrow is my deadline for my new book. I'm going to make it. It's called The First to Lie. Um, and it's a, oh. you know, as somebody said, it, all of my standalones are different from each other, but they all have the Hank Philippi Ryan cat and mouse DNA. So I'm, uh, they're fast they're paced, page turning psychological thrillers, and I'm very excited about it. Well, I can't wait to read the murder list because I am such a huge fan of um, villains who who are the hero of their own story, you know, where you can look at it and go, well, I can sort of see why he, you know, I, I, I'm I not into the mustache twirling villains so much as the, you know, people who, who believe in their cause, even though on the, you know, perhaps the way they're going about their cause not appropriate but well exactly but, um, and you know I've, i i know i know my readers the readers of the murder list and the readers of trust me i know my readers are smart i know they're smart and they, i know they know about storytelling and i know they understand what makes a good book and i know they understand what writers are doing and they have expectations and they try to solve the mystery before the protagonist does and so what i love to do is say watch this reader and then pull the rug right out from under Underneath you, so you have to call me right away after you finish the murder list and tell me okay. what you think. I cannot, I cannot wait to hear. 
<laughs> oh, sure thing. I will. I, I just can't wait. And I was going to ask you, too, the um, audiobooks are now like this giant thing. I, I have family members who, who no longer read books. They listen to audio because driving and traffic and all that kind of thing. And your books are on audio, right? Have you ever listened to them? Is it is it something fun for you, or are you one of those, I can't listen to it? I'm a little bit of each. Yes, my books, The Murder List is on audio. Trust Me is on audio. All my books are all my books are on audio. And we just found out that the the woman who is going, the actor who's going to read my new book, The First to Lie, is the same person who's reading who reads um, Where the Crawdads Sing. So I'm really happy oh. about that. Oh, and I'm just thrilled. Exciting. I just got goosebumps. Um, but um, when I, you know, what they what the publisher does is send a little audio clip of the authors who are auditioning to read the books and when i was when i got the author clips the audition clips for the murder list i was sitting in the airport in o'hare and i plugged in my earbuds and i turned on the book and one of them i thought oh no 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 and then i plugged in the next one the second audition and when rachel started talking i almost started crying in the middle of the airport because there was my book there was my character there was perfect. Rachel North in all her perfect com- complexity, right? You know, right in, you know, right out of my head and right back into my head. I, I loved it, so I highly recommend it. Oh, great! So that's exciting too. So all the audiobook listeners out there, go grab the murder list on audio because it will be just as wonderful as in the paperback. <laughs> I dare you to figure and out which one is the cat and which one is the mouse. Oh, I can't wait. So we're running out of time, but I wanted to quickly point out to everyone that um, there is a link to Hank's website right there on the Blog Talk site if you're listening from there. And also her Twitter handle and Instagram handle are there. So get connected. You're active on social media, right? Way too active. If you find me on you find me on Instagram, <laughs> find me on BookBub, find me on Facebook, find me on Twitter. I'll be there to chat with you all. Okay, thanks so much for being here today. It was great chatting with you. You too, Lisa. Happy reading. Okay, bye-bye. Thanks for joining us on Book Lights. Be sure to connect with us at www.readersentertainment.com for articles, blogs, videos, and podcasts that matter to readers.